Good morning, Bridge. How are we doing, guys? So, so can you hear from God? How, how do you do that? How do you connect with the God of the universe? I mean, he's kind of big, right? The whole universe spoke and it all came into existence. How do you do that? How do you do that in a way that, that you understand and far better than communications you might have with Siri? Let me ask it this way. Have you ever uh, needed help with something, with, with something and no matter uh, what you said, the person you're asking to help you with, uh, with it, uh, you sent signals, you dropped hints, you did everything you knew to do, and it was like the lights were on but nobody was home. I mean, just they didn't get it. They didn't understand what you're asking for. Anybody ever been there? Let me ask away. How many of you wives have a husband? Is it, that's the, the fact is, sometimes we want to communicate and we don't know how. And sometimes we're doing our best to communicate and, and the signals are just disconnecting. We don't know what's going on. So let's be honest, guys. Sometimes we want to help our wives. We just don't have a clue what she's asking for. Going to get an amen from the men in the room. See, I'm an equal opportunity slammer here. That's the way we work. So we're continuing a series we're calling Sound On. And we're talking about this idea that God is still speaking. In fact, he is speaking right now in this room, in this moment. And he's speaking in profound kinds of, of ways. Just like there are TV waves in this room and there are Wi-Fi signals in this room. The only question is, are you tuned in? The only question is, are you, do you have the equipment to pick it up? That's the only real question. And so let's get into it today. We're going to look at, at a, probably a, a lesser-known book, one that you may not have read. You probably can't pronounce very well. It's called Habakkuk, Habakkuk, however you want to say it. But uh, he was at that place. He needed to hear from God, uh, but he wasn't hearing from God. So here's how he, here's how he prayed. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 2. It's in, your, uh, it's in your, the Bridge NC app. You can follow along. It'll be on the screens to go. Uh, as well. Come on, let's go. Let's read it together. Lord, I continue to ask for help. How long will you ignore me? I want you to read it like you're in that position, okay? How many ever been in that position? Come on, let's be honest in church. You don't lie in church. How many ever been there? All right, so let's just read it like we mean it. God can take it. Here we go. Lord, I continue to ask for help. How long will you ignore me? I cry out to you, but you do not save us. Habakkuk is in that place where the nation of Israel is in trouble. They need answers. He's the prophet of God that's charged with the task of hearing from God and bringing word to them. And he's getting frustrated. He's getting panicky. He's struggling because he's just not hearing from God. So the question becomes, what did he do? When he found himself in that moment, and let's just be honest, all of us have been in that moment at one, turn of, one time or another. Some of you are in that moment right now. Come on. I get a deer in the headlights look. We're all in those moments from time to time. Can I get at least one amen in the room? We're there. Just want you to get into this. I want you to make it real, okay? I don't want to just teach you some superfluous information. I want you to take something. This is nuts and bolts stuff. I want you to get into it. And so the reality is we've all been there, done that. What do we do when we get there? So we're in a series we're calling Sound On. We've asked our, our congregation, for those of you that are new, we've asked our congregation to read through the entire Bible this year. We're all kind of reading together. Uh, we've given you an app on the Bridge NC uh, app. You go there and down at the bottom you'll see reading plans. You can click on that and it'll give you a reading for the day. You can actually click right on the reading and it'll come up on your, your phone or your tablet or your 
uh, laptop or wherever you want to, or you can just take those scriptures and look them up if you prefer to read in print. As you leave today, we've got some really cool bookmarks we're going to give you to remind you, and it's maybe the coolest bookmarks I've ever seen because they got magnets in them. And so if you're reading in a print Bible, you know, sometimes you'll put a bookmark in your Bible and you go back to it later and it fell out. Well, it's got a magnet, so you clip it over the, over the page, and it actually seals itself in that place in that spot so you know. And if you're a digital reader, all you got to do is open it up and stick it to your refrigerator, and it'll remind you to read the Scriptures today to get into the Word of God because something's going to change in all of our hearts when we spend time in the Word of God because we said last week the one way, one way, one way that He always, always, always speaks is through His Word, the Bible. And so we're reading the Scriptures Together. Last week we talked about common ways that he speaks. Next week we're going to be talking about how do you know if these things you're hearing are actually from God or you just ate too much pizza last night. Uh, and, but today I want to talk about what do you do when you're not hearing? What do you do when you need to hear and, and heaven seems silent as midnight and it feels like your prayers are hitting the ceiling and just bouncing back? What do you do to position yourself to hear from God. That's how Habakkuk was feeling in this little book, and he, he gives us out of that the answers to what do we do when we find ourselves in that kind of situation. Because of just instead, of, instead of just sitting around whining about it, instead of sitting around complaining about it, instead of just uh, fussing at the preacher and saying, why am, not, why am I not hearing from God, preacher? You ought to do something about it. He, he, he took specific steps to hear from God, and he succeeded in hearing from God. So real practical. Five things that Habakkuk did when he found himself in that moment, and I challenge you now, again, you may want to get one of those situations in your mind right now, but I want you, I beg you, please, I've done this many times, I try to do this regularly, I'm asking you to do it, do these practical things when you need to hear from God and watch him work in amazing kinds of ways. Before we get into it though, I, I, want, to, I want to give you three kind of basic requirements to hearing from God. See, it's not automatic. You, you do these physical things, God will speak. But, uh, so there are some requirements up front. Requirement number one is you've got to realize that God actually cares about the details of life. You've you got to actually believe, you've got to know that God cares. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 to 33, don't worry about what you will eat or drink or wear. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but first... Uh, seek first his kingdom, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. You see the areas that are included in that passage? What, what are the areas? What you eat, he's talking about food. What you wear, he's talking about fashion. Don't worry about tomorrow, he's talking about your future. You see, God knows you need all those things. He knows you care about all those things. Therefore, he cares about all those things. Things and so, uh, but he also knows. Have you ever have you ever made a, a minor decision that turned to have major implications? So he knows that these things that seem to be minor are in fact major, and so he cares about every detail of our lives. It's critical that you realize that, or frankly, you won't ask him for help with those things. Okay, I got my salvation settled. I got my eternity settled. I, I won't bother God with this little stuff day by day. He cares about the little stuff. Say it with me. He cares about the little stuff. One more time. He cares about the little stuff. The second thing that's required if you really want to hear from God is you've got to ask him a specific question. You've got to, ask, you, you've got to be specific when you ask. 
And the more specific you are in your question, the better able God is to answer you. It, it not So you're not just praying, hey, God, uh, good to talk to you today. You, you got anything for me today? Don't expect to hear from God in those kind of prayers. You've got to get very specific. Lord, what is the next step in this situation? Lord, what should I do about that problem? Lord, how, how am I going to get through this maze that I'm in right now? How, how am I going to get through this situation? I mean, we're told 20 plus times in the New Testament to, to ask and seek, knock, and the door will be open. Again, be specific. James 1.5, first part of James 1.5. If you want to know what God wants you to do, what? Wow, what a concept. Ask him, and he will say, i got far too more important things to do to mess with you. That's not what it says. What does it say? And he will, say it with me, he will gladly tell you. So if you want something, ask. Jesus, in fact, said, you have not because you ask not. Now, please understand something. God doesn't need you to ask specific questions because he needs the information. See, he knows what's going on. It's not about information. It's about your transformation. And so what he, the reason he wants you to ask specifically is so that when he answers that specific question, you'll know that it was him who did it. Therefore, your faith increases in him. But if you didn't ask a specific question, you'll go away saying, oh, I figured that out on my own. I got this. So you got to believe he cares about the details. Then you got to ask specific questions. And then finally, you got to actually expect him to answer. And this is where the rubber meets the road for an awful lot of people. I, you know, I, yeah, I've done that. Sure, I've asked specific questions. I just didn't really expect to hear from him. And guess what? When you don't expect to hear from him, you probably don't. Let's pick James 1.5 up again. God is always ready to give a bountiful supply of wisdom to all who ask him. He won't resent it, but when you ask him, be sure that you really expect him to tell you. Hear me, guys. God is more willing to talk to you than most of us are willing to listen to what he's got to say. Simply put, if you aren't expecting answers, you're not going to get any because you aren't listening. You've got to believe that he wants to speak and that he will speak, but if you realize that he does care about the details and if you get specific enough with your questions and you actually believe that he will answer, he will answer in ways that will blow you away. So I just need to make sure you understood that right up front. Now we're going to start positioning ourselves to hear from him. So maybe some of you, that's all you needed to hear. God bless you. Go on to brunch. Beat the crowd to the restaurants for lunch, you know, if that's what you need. But, but for all of us, I hope that you'll lean into this. Because if I believe God cares, and I will ask him specifically, and then I will expect him to answer, there's still a part for me to do. He'll do his part, but there's a part for me to do. That's, that's what the book of Habakkuk is all about. Again, it's one of those books that we kind of skim over. I hope you won't when you're reading through the scriptures this year. But it, that's what the book is about. Chapter 1, Habakkuk asks six specific questions. Chapter 2, he sets himself in position to get the answers. That's what the book is. So let's get into it. Habakkuk chapter 2, beginning verse 1 and 2. Read it with me, okay? I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. Then the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to 
others. In those two simple verses of Scripture, Habakkuk takes five steps to position himself to hear from God and respond when he does. So let's just walk through them quickly. Again, get, get a thought in your mind, something you need to hear from God about, and let's just break these down and let's start taking them together. Okay, first of all, you've got to withdraw you got to get alone to a quiet place. you got to withdraw. you got to get alone to a quiet place. What did verse 1 of chapter 2 say? I will climb up to my, what's a, what's a watchtower? Anybody have any watchtowers at home? Any, any watchtowers? No hands? Watchtower in ancient times was the big tower at the corners of the castle where the guards would go because it was a high position where they could see the entire landscape. So if enemies were coming, they would see the enemies far off. So it was a place where the guard went alone to get alone in order to make sure that he could focus on, on ensuring that the city was safe. In other words, he wanted to eliminate all distractions. That became his entire focus. In fact, in wartime, if you go on guard duty, you get court-martialed if you fall asleep because it's a serious, serious business. So, so this may be the biggest problem for some of us. Anybody agree with me in the craziness of our lives these days? It's hard to get alone. We're almost never alone. And if we are alone, we're looking in our phones to find somebody to interact with. That's just kind of the nature of business and life these days, particularly if you have preschoolers. Anybody got preschoolers here today? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. We kept our, uh, our kids, grandkids, three of our grandkids this past week. God bless you. God bless you. You ever been here on a Tuesday morning when Mops is in session? <laughs> it's, it's beautiful chaos. It's just amazing kind of noise. So how do you get alone when you got that much noise going on? One of my favorite stories is Suzanne Wesley. She's the mother of Charles Wesley and John Wesley. Charles wrote hundreds of hymns, and John was the founder of Methodism. I mean, these are great men of God. She's the mother. She had 18 children. But she was well known to be a praying woman. She prayed John and Charles into the ministries that God gave them. So how on earth did that woman get alone with 18 kids? The story goes that in the afternoons, she would go sit down in her rocking chair. She would take her apron and she would pull it over her head. And that was a, that was a cue to all of the kids. If mama's in her chair with her apron over her head, leave her alone. Because this is her time with God. All I'm saying to you is you've got to get creative if you're going to withdraw and get along with God. But you're not going to hear from him unless you do. Where there's a will, there's a way. You'll find a way if you want it badly enough. Let me just be blunt on the other side. If You're always going to struggle for guidance from God unless you do this. You're just going to struggle... As long as you let the pressures of life set your priorities, you will struggle to have a quiet time. You will struggle to have guidance from the Lord. Problem is, most of the, most of the ways that God speaks that we talked about last week are fairly quiet ways. They're not loud and boisterous. They're, they're quiet. And so if you don't get quiet, it, it'll go right past you. Elijah is the classic example of that in 1 Kings 19 when he's praying and, and he's trying to hear from God. He needs to hear from God. And he winds up saying, you know, here, you know, God's not in the wind. He's not in the earthquake. He's not in the fire. He's in this still, small voice. He's this gentle whisper. So the more noise, the more commotion you got going on, the more likely you are to miss what God is trying to say. To you. 
I wish I could tell you the, the instances over the years for me that, that have been in those moments when I just got quiet before the Lord and he would drop something in my spirit that I, had, I didn't expect at all. In many cases, I wasn't even uh, trying to hear something from him, but he dropped something in my spirit that became a life-defining kind of moment. I remember vividly in 1976, driving down the road as a young pastor. I was going to a, uh, to a hospital visit, driving alone in the car, and I'm just thinking and praying and, and just communing with God and just this, this idea, this thought, God spoke directly to my heart. It wasn't an audible thing, but it was as, as clear as it was audible. God said, you're going to serve on a foreign field one day. I'd never considered missions in my life. Never occurred to me that I was going to be a foreign missionary. Never crossed my mind, but that was clear as it could be. I went on through the day, made my hospital visits, went home, told Kim about the experience, and she just kind of looked at me. She didn't say a word. She just kind of looked at me. What happens now? I don't know. If it's God, then we'll get some direction. For now, we just keep doing what we believe he's called us to do. So we kept pastoring. Three years later, fast forward, we're in another church. And a missionary came home on furlough, and he came and he preached a sermon from Isaiah chapter 6, and, and, where Isaiah says, here am I, Lord, send me. And David Taylor changed the message. Uh, he reworded the passage to say what's going on in the modern church is here's not here am I send me, it's here's a need, Lord, send somebody. I left that church service, and again, I'm driving home alone, and the Lord said, I need you to go to the Philippines. <laughs> and everything in me wanted to say, there's a need, Lord, send somebody, but I couldn't. We wound up in the Philippines for nine years, one of the best experiences of our lives. But both of those moments came in quiet moments. And I just scared you to death to get quiet, didn't I? <laughs> but hear me, if you need to hear from God and what's going on in your life, you're more likely to hear him if you get still, if you withdraw, if you get quiet. I hear you, Jim, but you just don't know how busy my life is. I, here's what I know. Luke chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and pray. Anybody you know busier than Jesus was? Changed the whole world in three and a half years? And yet he found time to get alone with the Father. But we're just getting started. That's the easy part. <laughs> Second part then is you've got to wait. You've got to calm your thoughts and emotions. So you, get, you withdraw, you get alone, and then you wait. How many of you love to wait? Anybody love to wait? I, I can't say God bless that hand because there ain't no hands. We hate to wait. We hate to wait in traffic. We hate to wait in the doctor's office. We hate to wait in the cashier's line. We, we hate to wait for the phone to ring when we're expecting a call. We hate to wait. Can I get an amen on that one? I mean, I, I show my age, but I remember the day if I had a question that, uh, that nobody knew the answer to, what did I have to do? Some of you know. I had to drive to a library. And I'd go to the library and go to the current catalog, and I'd hope they had a book on the subject. And, and if they didn't have a book on the subject, I'd go to the counter and say, I really need some information on this. You, can you, uh, can you, uh, you got a book? No, but we'll call the other libraries and see if they've got one. And we'll let you know. And two or three days later, I'd get word back that they found a book in one of the other libraries and shipped it over. And I'd go back to the library and I'd get the book and I'd look it up and my answer wouldn't even be in there. And I'd go back and say, well, actually, what I need is, and, you know, and it might take a week to get an answer. And now I walk around with my phone in my hand and I need a question answered. So what do I do? 
I Google it, and I hit send, and it goes to space. It bounces off of a satellite 120 miles up above the surface of the earth and searches the entire planet for the answer to my question. Bounces back to that satellite, bounces back to my phone, and if it takes more than three seconds, what am I doing? What is wrong with this stupid thing? It won't. That's kind of the world we live in. That's the world that we've become, and so we hate to wait, but it's part of the process of learning to hear from from God. Too many people are saying, God, I I need to hear from you. Catch me while I go. Well, it's just not going to work that way. I just need to let you know, well, I never hear from God. Maybe this is the thing. But it's not just waiting. It's waiting in calm. That's even harder, isn't it? You see, you don't just need a quiet place to hear from God. You need a quiet mind. You need quiet emotions. You need a quiet body. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, let the peace that Christ gives control your thinking. Without that peace, you'll get ideas based on how you're feeling in the moment. And have any of you figured out yet that feelings are, 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 are unreliable sources of direction? That sometimes feelings are wonderful and sometimes they're dumb as dirt? Right? I'm not saying don't have feelings. I'm just saying don't make them the engine of your train. Make them the caboose. Let the feelings follow the decisions you made based on truth. Don't let the feelings determine the direction that you go. So we need God's peace, not just to get uh, bodies still, but we need God's peace to calm our minds and calm our emotions. Let me just real quick, just real quick, let me give you three, uh, three keys to this, three important keys to this, because i got to move on. Uh, first of all, you've you got to relax. That's a challenge for some of you. You've got to relax. But Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. Some of us feel like we have to prop God up. We have to prop the kingdom up. We have to prop the church up. And if we don't do, 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 then everything's going to fall apart. The best day of your life is going to be the day you resign as CEO of the universe. You don't have to carry this load. He's got it, okay? Some of the fights you get into and the arguments you get into is stuff that God says, come on, just let it go. I got it. I know what's going on. I got this. You got to get comfortable. The Bible says David sat quietly before the Lord. And so you get physically still. You get emotionally still. You, you, you just take a deep breath and you get still. That's a challenge for us. But if you want to hear from God, First, you've got to be still. You've got to relax. And then you've got to be quiet. Another challenge. Psalm 62, 5, I'll stand silently before the Lord, waiting for him to rescue me, for salvation comes from him alone. That's a challenge, isn't it? You ever forced, you tried to force yourself to be calm? I'm calm, I'm calm, I'm calm, I'm hyperventilating, but I'm calm, I'm calm. You can't force yourself to do it. You've got to resign as CEO of the universe and remind yourself that God knows and he cares about every detail of your life and he's large and in charge and he can handle it. And then the calm begins to come. And then, good suggestion that works for many, works for me, is play some worshipful music. Just put some music on. 
That's what was said of Isaiah, 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 15. Now bring me someone to play the lute. And as the lute was played, the message of the Lord came to Elisha. You see, in the quiet, relaxed, calm state of listening to music that honors God, God spoke to him. So you need to hear from God? What's the first step in the journey? you got to find some time to withdraw. you got to get some quiet time. What's the second step in the journey? Then you got to wait. This is not something you can rush. This is huge. The third thing, and this is probably the pivot point of the whole message, so I want you to lean in if I've lost you somewhere along the way. The next thing you've got to do is watch. you got to get God's perspective on what's going on. So watch is the key word. Look at back to Habakkuk 2.1. So I will climb up to my watchtower. I will stand at my guard post. There I will, what does it say? I will see what the Lord, does that confuse you? No, he didn't say, I will listen to hear what the Lord says. He said, I will see what the Lord says. The Hebrew word there is rawah that literally means to gaze. It means to perceive, to take heed. It means to focus your eyes. For, you're looking for a mental picture is what you're doing. And Habakkuk is looking for a mental picture. This is an important key to receiving guidance from the Lord that may be strange for some of you. I don't know. But it's throughout the scriptures. I mean, the Bible's filled with these things where God gives an image, an idea through pictures. And that becomes the word of God uh, that directs them, Abraham and Jacob and, and Job and David and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and Joel and Obadiah and Amos and Nahum. Well, that's all Old Testament stuff, Jim. How about the New Testament? Okay, Paul, Peter, John. I mean, this is, the Scripture is full of this. Where he speaks not just in, in words or thoughts, but he actually speaks in, in images. All of these guys that I just mentioned in Scripture heard from God through an image. And I think that's why Paul prayed for us as he did in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your what? Heart may be enlightened so that you may know the hope to which he has called you. I, I, don't, I don't honestly know if I can explain this fully. I, I've tried more than once and, and I, I've run out of words. But uh, this has been a huge part of my journey with the Lord, and I hope my story will help you to connect to whatever's going on in, in your life. The Lord called us many years ago to plant a church, and I won't go into all the details about that story, but, uh, but it really has defined our lives. Church planting in the Philippines, church planting in Latin America, church planting in America is a huge part of my life now. We had the privilege of, of training 30 uh, church planters and church planting leaders here at the church Friday and Saturday. It was a wonderful time. Some of them are here. Sister Maryvale Reyes. Where's Maryvale? There she is. Sister Reyes is here from Austin, Texas. One of the most prolific church planters I've ever known in my life. This is a spiritual mother if there's ever been one. And we just applaud you, Sister Maryvale, for what you do for the kingdom of God. God bless you. I mean, she's just... 
She's raised up this amazing church, and now she's just sending couples out all over Texas, just all over the place, uh, planting new churches. And then Trey and Hope Jones, where's Trey? Trey's back there, and Hope, their son Sam, uh, they're church planters from Georgia, and Trey's part of the team, Hope's part of the team, where we're putting a system together for our denomination to help them plant churches. And we got a goal to plant 2,000 churches over the next 15 years or so, and so we're working together to do that. But, but that all started for me with an image. In one of those times when I was quiet before the Lord and I was calm before the Lord and I'm saying, Lord, I really need direction for my life. I need a sense of, of what you've called me to do and what you've called me to give my life to. I saw myself, it, it was as if there was a camera over my shoulder looking over my shoulder at a crowd of people. This is back in late 70s. Crowd of, crowd of people over my shoulder, I'm standing on stage and I'm teaching. Open stage, one of the reasons I don't like a big old pulpit because that image, it just kind of defined me. Open stage, because this is more of a dialogue than a, than a I don't, I'm not an orator, I'm a conversationalist. You know, so that kind of defined things. Everybody was dressed casually. That seems common now, but 1979, that was weird. Everybody's leaning in. They're taking notes. They want to know. It's just like they're really hungry to know and grow. And somehow I had a sense from that picture that these are people that were new to the faith. They were coming into relationship with God or coming into a fullness of understanding how they could have a relationship with the God of the universe. And they were hungry to know and grow. And so that image was the only thing I had that became the launch of Community Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. And that image drove me. Everything that we did, I would say, yes, but. Well, how, what if we do this? Well, I don't know, but here's, what, here's the image we're trying to, to fill. Here's, here's the picture we're trying to populate. 2007, almost 20 years into the journey, we set up a big old tent on the property to build our sanctuary, which is about the same size as this one. And so we put up a big old giant circus tent. We had multiple services, and we brought everybody together under that circus tent. And I stood on the stage, and I said, guys, if you want to know what we're building, look around. This is what we're going to build. We're going to build this sanctuary, and God's going to fill it up, and God's going to bring people from, uh, from all over the region, and we're going to populate heaven uh, and, and, and empty hell. And everybody applauded. What I didn't know is that the media team at our church had put a camera on a post at the back of the tent shooting over my shoulder to that crowd. And a few days later, John Dowdy called me and said, Pastor, I've got a picture you might want to see. I've captured it from a video that we shot in the service. And he sent me a link to a picture that I blew up on my computer. And it was the image that I'd been seeing for 20 years. 2,000 people sitting out there leaning forward, taking notes, hungry to know what God had to say. Dressed casually, by the way. So, You see what I'm saying? Sometimes well, God will give you an image, and there's not a lot of detail in it. There's not a lot of clarity to it. But if you will watch to see what he has to say, if you'll let the eyes of your heart be open, he may well define something for you that will set direction for your life that one day you can look back on and say, wow, look what God did with my one and only life just because I withdrew and I waited and I watched. 
What am I saying? I, this may be alien to some of you guys. I get that. What I'm saying is that when you were born, God gave us five senses, the ability to touch and taste and hear and smell and see. But when you get born again, he gives you another sense. He gives you a spiritual sense. He gives you the, uh, he gives you the ability to see the real world. This isn't the real world. This is going to come and go. Which is going to last longer, this stage or God? So which is more real? But quite often you can't see him and see what he's doing until you commit your life to him and you withdraw and you wait and you watch and then he begins to show you what he's doing and that becomes life-defining in your life. He gives you the ability to see that. Again, I, I know this may stretch some of your thinking, but, but I've seen this happen so many times and it's been a defining moment for so many people that I want you to have the opportunity to do this and to hear this and to receive this. And I know it's, you know, for some of you, man, you got up this morning and you sensed the presence of God and, and had images rolling in your head from the day, from the moment your feet hit the floor. For others of you, as you walk through the door of this church today, for others of you, when we hit the first chord on the first song and began to sing and, and worship, I, I get it. There are different ways that help us to enter in to the presence of God. I'm just saying, make sure that that you know that that's, that's more real than the car you drove here in. And God will give you the ability to, to see what he's doing in the spirit world, not just in the physical world. And I, again, I know it's, that's easier for some than others. I mean, I'm a visual thinker. I, I tend to see in images. I tend to I read something and, I, and a, an image pops in my head. Kim, my wife, is a digital thinker. She's, she's excellent with details. She's a very organized kind of person. She's incredibly intelligent. But, you know, when I give her a concept, she needs me to draw a picture because the pictures don't pop in her head. I get that. We're, we're all made differently. But I am begging you to consider that God may not speak to you in sentences. He may speak to you in images. Bottom line is, he's given you the potential to see what he's saying if you'll gear your heart to watch, not just listen. You with me? Did I stretch you too much? The fourth step in this journey then is right. So you withdraw, you wait, you watch, and then you write. You start recording the ideas that come to mind. You start recording the images that come to mind. Whatever you receive, you start recording it. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. Here we go. Then the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. That's the progression of the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk asked specific questions in chapter 1. He withdrew, waited, and watched in verse 1 of chapter 2. And then God said, write down everything I just told you in verse 2 of chapter 2. Two. In chapter 1, he writes his prayer. That's huge. In chapter 2, he writes God's response. That, that's, that's the simplicity of it all. What does that have to do with us? Can we get real honest for a minute? Can we get honest in church? Is it okay? Can we get real honest? There are times for me, you, you tell me if it's true for you, there are times when my prayer life is dry as corn shucks. Hello? There are times when, when I say, okay, God, uh, yeah, uh, hey, uh, can't think of nothing to say. Now lay me down to sleep. <laughs> you know? 
God is great, God is good. Yeah, okay, did my thing, checked my box, did my prayer, and I go on with my life. There are times when I pray and I just, I can't think of nothing to say. Am I the only one in the room? So let me give you a technique that I learned a long time ago that's helped me because I don't ever want to just go through the motions of my prayer life. Here's the suggestion. Take a pad and a pen and write your prayers. Just start writing. You'd be amazed how it'll flow out. I've, I've given this instruction to people in the past, and they write six pages before they run out of, their, their fingers start hurting because they just start pouring it out, things they couldn't think of to say, but somehow they're writing. So write your prayers, write your questions, write your needs, just write it all. Take a legal pad and just start writing it all out. One of the things that happens when I pray is I'll sit down, I'll get quiet, and, and I'll start saying, okay, Lord, uh, good morning, good to see you, and, and I'll start thinking about all the stuff I've got to get done today. My to-do list will pop in my head. Am I the only one that struggles with that? Well, this can solve that. So you take the pad and say, okay, well, let me just start writing these things. Let me capture the to-do list so I can do them later and I can set that aside. Let me focus on my prayers, my questions, my needs. Write it all down. Start writing out the things that you, you need. It's called journaling. You want a fancy word for it, but what it amounts to is writing your prayers. You're saying it's okay to write while I pray? Yeah. That's, what, that's how a lot of the Bible came to us. I mean, read the Psalms. A lot of it was David writing his prayers down, and some of those prayers became songs. I mean, that's just... That's the way it works. So it helps you to stay on track. It gives your body something to do while you're praying. It, it helps your mind not to wander because you're writing and it requires more effort. It helps you to remember later what God said, what you sensed he said to you. So you don't have to worry about remembering it later because you don't want to test an impression from God while you're praying because you'll get distracted. But you do want to test it before you start acting, right? And so this journal helps you to do that. It's incredibly important that you do. So consider that. Take out a pad, use your computer, whatever works for you, but start writing your prayers. You might be amazed what God will say to you, which leads us to the fifth point, and we'll wrap up our time, and that is worship. The first step in this journey, then, is worship. Thank God for speaking to you communicate to him how much you appreciate the fact that he did. Don't ever take this for granted. Habakkuk 3, 2. In chapter 3 now, O Lord, now I have heard your report. And what happens? I worship you in awe. Now that I've listed my questions, now that I've heard your answers, I am filled with gratitude and love. Hear me, guys. When you take the four steps that Habakkuk laid out for us and you hear from God, your worship goes to a whole nother level. Your sense of anticipation of what God's going to do goes to a whole nother level. When you, when you skip those things, you say, well, I'm just, yeah, that's, that's for other people. That's not for me. Let me tell you that your worship will become rote and it will be no more than singing songs in church on Sunday. But you spend some time during the week withdrawing, waiting, watching, writing, and God speaks, you will be blown away by the awe that it inspires and it takes your worship to an HNL, a whole nother level. It prayer moves from a monologue where you're trying to think of something to say 
to a dialogue where you begin to see God speaking and you see results in your life. From a Christian duty, okay, God, I know I'm supposed to pray, so I'm going to, to this sense of, wow, I'm in conversation with the God of the universe. Am I telling you that every prayer is going to be dramatic? No. But I'll tell you this, if you'll make this a practice, you will hear from God. He wants to speak. He is speaking. The only question is, are we positioning ourselves to hear? Let's pray. Father, thank you for being that intimately involved in every one of our lives, for caring about the minute details, the minutiae of our lives. Thank you for knowing what we struggle with and what we stand in need of and the answers that we need. Thank you for knowing and thank you for creating a system whereby all you want us to do is believe that's true, ask you specifically, and then expect you to answer. Expect you to plant an image in our mind. Expect you to speak a word into our hearts. Expect you to give us something that will give us direction to the things that we're wrestling with. I thank you for the people in this room, the people that are watching online right now who are saying, I really need to hear from God and I'm willing to do my part in order to position myself for God to do what he promised he would do. I thank you for being a God who keeps his promise. Keep your heads bowed for just a moment. The altars will be open in a minute, but at the very least, I want you to pray a prayer with me, if you will. I just want to pray back what we've just talked about. I want you to hear yourself praying this prayer. It simply goes like this. Lord, I'm willing to get real specific with you about what I stand in need of. I believe you care about every one of those details. And I expect you to hear and respond. I'm going to position myself so when you do respond, I'll hear you. I'll see what you're saying. I will withdraw. I'll find some quiet time on a regular basis with just me and you. I will wait. I won't rush those quiet times. I will set aside those times and guard them because they're precious. I'll pray that you'll calm my spirit so that I'm in position to hear what you've got to say. And then I will watch, not just listening for words, but watching for images that you communicate to me that is a way of communicating where you want me to go and what you want me to do and what you've got planned. And when I hear from you, I'm going to worship. I'm going to worship. I'm going to be in awe of you because the God of the universe spoke to me about something going on in my life. And I honor you and I recognize who you are and give you the honor that you alone are due. I'm going to worship you. Then I'll write it down so that I can test it later, so that I won't forget it later, so that I can share it with others to bolster their faith in it too. You praying, guys? Are you walking through this stuff with me? 
I want you to hear from God. Sometimes as a pastor, almost desperately, I'll, I'll walk up to a Christian and say, so what are you hearing from God lately? And it breaks my heart when I get a blank stare. Why? Because he's speaking. I want you to hear from him. Lord, would you speak clearly as we position ourselves to hear? And would you give us direction that, yes, will stretch us to a new place. Got it. That will take us where you planned for us when you created us. In Jesus' name. And then, as we as a church family begin to connect with you on that level, when we as a church family begin to hear from you and share with one another what we're hearing from you and we bring our collective gifts and talents together based on what you've told us to do, Lord, would you use us to change the world, to make a difference in our times, to empty hell and populate heaven? Would you use us? We're yours. We thank you in advance for the way you're going to do that too. In Jesus' name and all God's people said,